I get the privilege and the honor of being able to preach this morning as well, which I cherish because I, I love preaching through music and song, but um, it's nice to put away the guitar and just speak here with you this morning. I want to start by doing a mental, mental exercise, if you can go there with me. I want you to think about a practice or a product that brought you some promise that you kind of bought into thinking that it would deliver some kind of promise, but it failed you. A practice or a product of some sort. This might be one of the many fad diets that kind of come and go, or maybe it's an exercise contraption that you bought, or maybe some other product that you you thought had promise. And I've been thinking this week about how practices and products, they come with these promises, and, and oftentimes we invest ourselves in them and we buy into them, even literally, but they don't live up to the promises that they make. Does anybody remember back in the 1980s, Coke came out with a product called New Coke? New Coke. And during that time, Coke was, was actually being outmatched by Pepsi. And so they tried to create this product that would taste just like Pepsi did. I'm a child of the 80s. I remember this a little bit. And Pepsi, in fact, was egging this on because they kind of put out this challenge called the Pepsi Challenge to advertise this, this idea of making things taste more like Pepsi. And New Coke came with a lot of promise. It, it had reviews nationwide as it did taste tests, and, and everyone was saying this is going to be like the latest, greatest thing and another option. But as soon as it hit the shelves in 1985, ultimately, like, nobody wanted the new product. It, it tasted horrible. And it was quickly discontinued, an epic failure. Coke then went back to its original formula with its new branding as Coca-Cola Classic. And the rest is history, as they say. But to think about the products and practices that are put out there that fail to deliver their promises. Every year, it seems like we get a new ab machine. Have you gotten one of these maybe at Christmas time? I know you have. And every new contraption comes with the same old promise. It's going to make you chiseled like the person in the ad where you'll spend hardly any time at all. And then at the same time, it just says that it's, it's going to be better than all the products that came before it. Or anybody remember the shake weight? <laughs> A study from the journal, journal of Sports Science and Medicine found that the shake weight actually doesn't increase the strength of people who use it. You know, go figure. It turns out that just letting a weight shake you wasn't enough to build muscle. So, you know, another promising practice and another waste of time, money, and energy. And I think about this because this morning I want us to consider what are the promises that the life of faith is making? What are those practices that we are, in essence, pitching to our community and are they delivering on the promises that they are making. Because you see, I, I think that the church, we don't know what our practices are for, and so we, we just don't make promises. Instead, we focus on elaborate theologies and doctrines as if belief was more important than practice. So I want us to take a look at some practices that give us promise. For one, I believe there are promises we can make when we engage in contemplative practices such as meditation and prayer. And when we sit in silence 
there are physiological changes made in our brain. That's no news to us. This is backed up by science. Studies have shown that when we practice mindful meditation, even short amounts of it, we reduce anxiety. We increase empathy and self-compassion. We develop a healthy distress tolerance. We better our emotional stability and increase our happiness. That's quite a list, right? I mean, who doesn't want that? So the next time someone says, yeah, I just can't get into all that mystical, you know, voodoo contemplation stuff, just gently remind them of all that they are opting out of. We hear this echoed in Scripture in Philippians 4, 6. It says, do not be anxious about anything, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. So, Meditation and prayer are built into the very fabric of faith, and it comes with promises that actually leave us changed. It makes sense then why Jesus in Matthew says that my house shall be a house of what? Prayer, not a house of doctrine or theology or engaging social programs or hip coffee shops. No, my house shall be a house of prayer. And Jesus knew that forming the world to look more like the kingdom of God has to begin with the inward journey, as Amelia preached about last Sunday. So there's a lot we don't know about the mysteries of faith, but this is one that we do know about and we can hold on to, that contemplation changes us. Another practice we can make promise on is acts of humble service. If you engage in helping and serving others, you will be changed. And the long list of mental health benefits and emotional benefits aren't unlike those that we just talked about with contemplation. So maybe service is active contemplation, maybe the way I was thinking about it this week, or maybe outwardly acting on the inner change that we experience in contemplation. Many churches go on field trips, and listen, I think that many times that people are not helped the way that we think they are on mission trips, and in some cases they may even do a little bit of harm, but I'm convinced that if you take a group on a trip like that and you allow them to step out of their comfort zone and serve other people, they will be changed. You have to try really hard not to be. When we choose to help people and meet them at their level, even those that are different than us, it has a lasting impact on our lives and maybe on theirs as well. And perhaps I say maybe even more so, those that are doing this service. In First Peter chapter 4, it says, Above all, maintain constant love for one another. For love covers a multitude of sins. Be hospitable to one another without complaining. Like good stewards of the manifold grace of God, serve one another with whatever gift each of you has received. So humble service rooted in Christ-like love is foundational to what it means to be a Christ follower, and it holds promise for us. It's not just another box that we check in the, the church scorecard, but it can actually change us and prepare us to be agents of change in the world around us. So maybe that we are defined by service, a third practice that comes with a lot of promise is one that's close to my heart, and I th that's music and singing. 
we're well aware these days of the benefits of music, not just for social enjoyment or community building, but actually what it does to our bodies and brains. You may not be aware of this, but this very fact actually is why I've given my entire career to using music and community. For one, it's a form of contemplation. And in this space, this sacred space that we call church, I believe that that's what it looks like to be in worship. I've always liked this saying attributed to St. Augustine, the one who sings prays twice. This speaks to the content of our songs to be formational and expressions of language and worship, but it also speaks to how the music itself, that's the very notes that are sung or played, can be prayer and contemplation in and of themselves. And we all know this. Many of us have heard a song that has touched us at the deepest parts and we don't really even understand the reasons why. And sometimes those songs are without words at all. And one of the more telling benefits of music for me is how singing actually synchronizes people's heartbeats. Do you know this? Did you feel that this morning as we sang? You wouldn't know, I guess. But this is something I learned about in years working with choirs. There have been many studies that have shown that when people sing together, their heartbeats actually begin to sync up in rhythm. And I can only imagine that something at the level of community and belonging is happening that we can't even put into words. And it made me wonder if that's really the reason why music is a universal language. This, this organ that is keeping us all alive actually syncs to be in unison synchronizing with those hearts that are around us when we're making music. So music is inherently communal. And you don't need me to tell you this because no doubt you've experienced this in your own life, but try staying mad at someone while you're singing together. That's hard. Try holding onto a grudge while you're harmonizing with somebody around you. It has to be nearly impossible to maintain any sense of hierarchy or division when you're making music or creating with another person. Music, we'll find, is a practice that we can engage in that comes with sure promises, not only for ourselves, but also who we are in community with others. Now, I know some of you are thinking this morning, if he only heard my singing voice, he would not be saying this. But I want to assure you that the Bible offers us a way out. We read it this morning in Psalm 98. It says, make a joyful what? Noise to the Lord. So all of us can make a noise. You can make it joyful. And I think we can hold on to that. <laughs> I've heard you saying. Don't act like that's you. Lastly, I believe that community itself can be transformational for us. It's a transformational practice. And not just my belief in that, I think it's supported by science. I know it is. And our collective awareness that nobody is meant to stand alone. Recent polls have been showing how countless people are leaving the church and finding other ways to explore their spirituality away from institutional religion. But... It's interesting how these, also these same studies are also showing that the one thing that keeps people coming back many times is a sense of community that can't be replicated in most other places in society. 
Just this week, I was talking with a visitor who's been coming for just a few weeks here with her husband at the river, and she was kind enough to let me share just a little bit about her story this morning. She shared me, uh, with me that her journey of deconstructing this evangelical conservative faith that she was handed as a younger person um, has led her to have these triggers when she's in worship. It might be music or things that are said or just the way church approaches life and faith. But some of those things are very triggering as people are kind of going through deconstruction, and she's found herself in that as well. And as many of you can probably relate, I know I have at certain times in my life, that this oftentimes feels like a lonely journey. You feel like you're losing big parts of who you are. And it's hard sometimes to find other people to tell what's happening inside you. But the reason that she continues to come back to find a church home is this potential for healing community, this sense of belonging and journeying together with other Christians who are also trying to find their way. And as one of the pastors here, I hope the river can be said to be a place of healing community, a safe space where we can wrestle with that and discover that together. I believe there are promises we can make about being in community. Hebrews 10, 24, 25 offers this admonition. It says, Let us consider how to provoke one another to love and good deeds, not neglecting to meet together as some are in the habit of doing, but encouraging one another. I think we all gained a new appreciation for community during the height of the pandemic. Certainly those times that we were able to worship online on Sundays, even here at the river, just felt like, it's good to see everybody's faces, but we we're just lacking something, that sense of just being together, that full benefit of community. And I do want to qualify that not just any community will do. We here at the river believe that community should be liberating, fully affirming, and hospitable to all people. And that's important to us. This morning, you may be unsure how you feel about the mysteries of God and faith, but you can know that when you engage in contemplation and prayer, you are working to change who you are for the better. You may be unsure about some of the church's teachings, but you can be sure that when you participate in acts of service that it holds promise to transform your ways of thinking for good and maybe even to help change the world. You may be unsure, you can believe all the things about God that those around you believe, but you can be assured that music and singing and creative practices can unify us and even reconcile us to each other. That's a promise. Your spiritual world may feel like a pile of rubble this morning, but you can know that community, such as what we find here at the river, promises to be a safe space, a healing space to wrestle with it together. I want to close with saying that these aren't just good things to do. And here's kind of how this hits the road for me. When we practice this, we are actually practicing God's future now. If Jesus had a main agenda, it was to get us to understand the reality of the kingdom of heaven or sometimes called the kingdom of God. And many times he spoke of this as being a future reality. But he also wanted his followers to know that this was a reality that was already here and in progress. It was unfolding even in our present. 
Listen to how he speaks of it in Luke chapter 17. It says, Once Jesus was asked by the Pharisees when the kingdom of God was coming, and he answered, The kingdom of God is not coming with things that can be observed, nor will they say, Look, here it is, or there it is, for in fact the kingdom of God is among you. And this shifted, Jesus' whole ministry really shifted this idea of the kingdom of God as something that will just happen to us one day to something that we actually participate in now and even build together. It's a collaboration with God. It's literally bringing heaven on earth as Jesus prayed. Or we could say it another way, to make the kingdom of God more of a reality in our time and in our community, every time we meet together, we serve together, or make music and create together, that becomes more real in our midst. So today I've only mentioned four practices, and there are certainly many, many others. But these are ones that we can hold on to that come with sure promises. So may we lean into these ways of of making faith more concrete and more tangible and real in our daily lives. These ways of making God's future something we can experience even now. Amen. Amen. Let's pray together. Creator God, you are both mysterious and yet friend. You're unknown and yet tangible and intimate. There is so much we're uncertain of or in disagree over and divide ourselves over. All the while you are reminding us in our deepest parts that it's, it's just enough being in community to serve one another in love and at times just to be still and silent. So continue to call us back to these practices of our faith when we get into the weeds of our theologies and doctrines. Remind us how we can both understand the nature of your love and best express our love for you and how we live in community with one another. We thank you for how this is so beautifully expressed at your communion table, which we come to now. Amen. Amen.